Hello there, and a great big warm welcome to Not Another Education Podcast, the podcast where we can't promise that you'll learn anything, but if you like great chat, awesome guests, and some cool stories, then you're in the right place, so stay put. We may wander off on a tangent or two, and I hope you're all ears, because we may talk off a few, but other than that, take a load off, relax, the fun has begun, we're not just another education podcast you know it's something that I I feel really strongly about and I know you do too about diversity and I, th- I think it's important oh, I'll introduce you as well this is this is a uh, this is Emily on our on our podcast not another education podcast podcast she's joining us from the SLT team if you want to say um hey Emily hey how are you I'm good I'm good so I mean, for those people who haven't tuned in to your um, podcast of Oliver, do you want to tell them a little bit about what you do as a job or like, and like what your podcast is about in general? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm the SLT segment assistant, uh, kind of joined Twinkle, well, about six, seven months ago. Um, and since then, we started our own podcast, which is called Talking Teachers. And we aim that at uh, kind of leaders in school it really is it's for anyone who works in a school but particularly because we're at the SLT team it's kind of aimed at leaders and yeah we've got some some really good stuff on there so if anyone wants to I know I'm kind of promoting another podcast but go over and listen to talking teachers you can get on Spotify and all that uh, the Apple podcast as well yeah no shame promoting another podcast I mean I think one (laughs) thing that is uh it's unique about podcasts for sure is that they're not really like a competitive thing right like I don't know how many people really make podcasts for them to say like I'm going to be the best podcast like it's a no really I'm con- going to be the best podcast that's like, no I'm joking I'm going to be the best <laughs> yeah, I am going to be the best <laughs> no you're right I think I think there's a lot a lot of stuff out there and I think you know people who get quite bogged down in the idea of it like oh it's going to be the best 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 but actually for me it's like if it if it reaches a small number of people and they take what we're saying and then it helps them then that's enough for me. I don't I don't mind that. But luckily, we've got a decent listenership. So we're all yeah, right. You guys have got a, re- a really good following. I think like, it, it, it's difficult, I think, for like, companies to start podcasts. And also keep in mind at the same time that you can't be thinking, I need more followers, I need more listeners. Because ultimately, like, I mean, we want to make good content. And we, we try and make it, you know, for, for the listeners and stuff. But I think ultimately, like, you know, I don't know many successful podcasts that start with the idea of like, I'm going to be rich or I'm going to oh, like, yeah, no, I don't. yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think if you, if you pin up, pin all your hopes on being rich and famous through a podcast, you either have to be um, Chris and Rosie Ramsey or just, you know, nothing really else. Yeah. Second thought, I actually might resign because I, I'm just doing this because I want to be rich and famous. <laughs> yeah. Should we just start our own podcast? Off we go. See you later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll take all, I'll take in all my content. No, I, I, I think ultimately is that like, you know, it's it's a difficult thing, right? And, and it's a unique thing because with, with our audience, like being so, you know, so broad with not another education podcast. It's like thinking, you know, are we, are we just making the same stuff as everyone else? And that's why we're trying not to do that. We're trying to go against the grain. We're trying to, I guess, make content that feels like a, you know, it represents a number of um, different people, a number of different like communities. And yeah, I, I recently, um, I mean, I should say as well, like, the theme of this episode in general is like diversity so we might we might kind of dip in and out to other stuff but essentially like that's what we're we're chatting about isn't it Emily and um I think like I went on some training recently and I think I might have told you this before but just because it always sticks with me and like where I used to work they were like um you're big diversity champions and Mm. I think sometimes that you know, you start to feel like, you know, actually, how do we make content diverse? And it's not as much as kind of like when it's Black History Month in October, 
you know, are we only talking about, you know, black culture then? Are we only talking about heritage right. of, of, mm. of, you know, people who were black then? And it just mm. feels a little bit like it has to be more. And this trend that I kind of went on was like, they were saying something that was really interesting about, you know, if you don't have experiences of certain different, you know, cultures and certain different beliefs, you don't broaden your perspective, or yourself, if you're not part of, you know, the, the this kind of yeah. community that you're wanting to, to you know, mm. um, direct your content to, then how essentially can you do it? And it's not it's not a decision people are making like, oh, I'm only going to make content for like white people. It's no, it's nobody's saying that. It's, but I think very much so. Like it can be subconscious because of our, and we were talking a lot about this in our team about like you know, our consumption of what we watch on TV, um, mm. you know, the things that we follow on Instagram. I mean, the things that I tend to follow um, are, are other content makers and largely a bit of a guilty pleasure, interior designers. Um, Ooh, yeah, nice. I don't really know why that is, but, you know, I, I kind of like seeing people's setups, you know, they take that little snapshot of their home and it's like, I kind of want to create that exact house, but I don't know how to do oh, it in my honestly, own house. The amount of times, the amount of times I see these things, and I think mm, that's so good. Can I replicate that myself? No. Either of, I need a million pounds to be able to do it properly, or I just can't do it. There's something in my brain. I don't know what's wired in there that just cannot do. Like you know, like interior design. I just think. And my wife gets really fed up with me because she'll say, like, when I moved in with her, I literally couldn't bring any of my stuff, like, to the house because <laughs> she was like, that's tat. Yeah, where did you get that? Oh. I can't be still. All right, no, you can't bring that in. So, yeah, I kind of gave up on that one, really. But I, 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 I like I like watching other people. I like the programmes. I like the... Do you like... Um, what is it? Is it the Chateau programme with Angel and oh, Dick? It- love that yeah 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 so yeah, yeah, good yeah. isn't it i mean that would be my dream yeah. they have a moat i'd just go like fishing for treasure in that moat all day <laughs> yeah, just going i'm just going down to the boat to fish for treasure see you later yeah, yeah that'd be a great life that'd be a great life to I, be fair though they've worked hard on that they have they have and they've made a lot of sacrifices and <clears> you know at times it doesn't look um as romantic as maybe we think it would be. But I'd love to like go and have dinner with them because I think you can um <clears throat> excuse me. I think you can book to go and like have a wine tasting and they'll cook you dinner. I don't know why they decided to open that up to the public, but apparently it's well, it, it makes them money, Amy. It makes them money. It's like if you wanted to get married, do you know how much it costs for to get married at their place? I don't actually. I don't it's, do you? It's over thirty it's over thirty grand. And is that like just for the hire of the actual place? Yeah, it's like you hire the place, you do that. I don't think it includes catering or anything like that. Well, that's not a good deal for anybody. I'm not promoting <laughs> that. <laughs> Forget it. We don't like escape to the chateau. Ignore that bit. Now let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Still love you, Dick and Angel. Still yeah. love you guys. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I, th- I think like, I forgot even why I started talking about that. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because we were following stuff on Instagram and it's yeah. about biases and things. And, and you know, I, I think that like, without you even probably realising that, is that you do develop like an unconscious bias. Mm. Um, and you sort of absorb this content and then you like this content and then you make, similar content and then it's just you know kind of perpetuating exactly that like you know a very slimmed down audience that isn't broad and I hate the idea of that and I'm always like like to think of myself as like quite an open person so if somebody came to me and said like yeah I don't like this because I think you do this or you know if somebody came to me and said that you know they would like to see this in in one of our episodes and I feel like you know what like let's like look at making that work but I mean I don't know like I I think it's important because you know they were saying as well like in this training I go on about this training I don't even know the name of the course I just really liked it (laughs) (laughs) 
I can't even tell you who was training me. I just remember it. Um, I don't even know where you were, what, what you were doing, what year it was. Just remember do you know this. what? It could have been a dream. No, it wasn't. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a dream. It was it was real because I talked to other people about it and they were like, yeah, I found that interesting too. And it wasn't like, okay, Amy, you're just making up stuff in your head. Um, but, you know, they, they were like, you know, sort of talking about if, if, people and they used a really good example of um young women who watched the x-files growing up um they 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 could see themselves in a role that was like you know a leading lady if you like where Mm -hmm. they were Gillian Anderson yeah exactly exactly just like Gillian Anderson what an icon I know I know I love Gillian Anderson um and I've been watching you're right have you watched that sex ed uh, or sex education series yet on Netflix? So I've watched the first two. Is it there's the third series is out now? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it? Yeah. So I've watched the first two. I haven't seen the third one yet, but yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it with her because she is. Um, yeah, she's great. <laughs> yeah, she is just like the epitome of cool, isn't she? She's awesome. I mean, she's. I mean, literally every lesbian in the land loves Gillian uh, Anderson. There is not a single one that I know of that doesn't love her in some way, shape or form. So yeah, she's, she's popular in the circles. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, it's, it, it's, it's letting, it's the same, it works both ways and, you know, showing that, you know, young men can go into careers that aren't science or maths related or engineering yeah. or, you know, um, a labor skill. It's, it's showing that, you know, it, it's diverse and that they're able to, to find pathways to these these you know interests and passions that they develop i think i think i think the key is so we now are at a point in society where we're talking a lot more about stuff right so everyone's talking everyone's got an opinion on something everyone's talking whether that opinion's positive negative whether it's good or bad it's, we're talking a lot more than we ever have done before uh, and what i I feel like there's two strands of the entire conversation, maybe more than two strands, but I kind of identify a couple that I'm kind of aware of is like one, like you say, we grew up in an era where there wasn't a lot of representation of, let's say, the minority uh, kind of groups. So I didn't see very many lesbians on screen uh, when I was growing up. And, you know, I didn't see myself represented other than kind of when Ellen maybe came along and kind of came out and it was all big news that Ellen had come out and that was the conversation. She got a lot of stick for it. Um, so then it was bad press. So then that puts you, puts you off and you think, well, you know, I struggled with my sexuality throughout my whole life. And it took me to a long, long time before I actually came out in, uh, in my thirties. So I felt like that was a bad thing. When we talk about kind of representation, like you say, you see Gillian Anderson in a predominantly assumed male role. We then start to see, like you say, the the young people growing up going, oh, maybe I could do that. Maybe I, I'd be good at that or that's something I feel comfortable about. And what we're doing is we're talking about things and we've got these kind of like much better representation on television than ever we've had before. I think I think it could be better, but I think you know there's there's definitely more representation happening. But because it's kind of been like a bit of an injection of representation, people who are just used to that kind of that comfort zone of you know just kind of sitting in their own bubble and not really kind of thinking outside of it, they're going, oh well, what 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 you've got a same sex couple dancing on Strictly for? Yeah. I'm not going to watch that anymore so there's there's like these two whereas I'm going brilliant you know uh, I love seeing two men pe- men dance together on Strictly because that means that young uh people like me who were struggling will not have that they'll see representation more where then you've got the other side of the coin which is like oh I wouldn't I wouldn't want want to watch that they can do what they want behind closed doors but I don't want it on my telly you know and so yeah. you've got this strand and I think we we're kind of we're at a danger because we always want to go in with an opinion, don't we? Always want to go in with like what we think. And actually, I find there's real power when you kind of go, you know, I don't, I don't really know what I think about that, so I'm just going to not, not comment. 
I wish I wish more people wouldn't comment, to be honest. I, I, I want to like pick up on that as well, because essentially when you're when you're sort of saying about you know these two these two sides, I mean to me, one side like of that saying, oh, I don't want to see this on TV, I mean, I love the thing is about strictly right is that <laughs> let's go the thing is about strictly um, <laughs> and I, I i used to do ballroom dancing with my husband and oh did you yeah we used to like we used to like learn and go to like proper classes and stuff like with his parents his parents got got us into it um and we just used to bicker because i am obviously <laughs> naturally graceful and he's just like a big <laughs> ruffalo thumping around <laughs> <laughs> no he's not he's not he tries his best and <laughs> I'll give him that to be fair and then like we did like loads of dance lessons up to the wedding like I don't know who we think we are like uh, we're in America or something <laughs> <laughs> like you did a proper a, a proper choreographed first dance well that was the plan that was I think what um his parents maybe would have liked because they were like the driving force behind us wanting to do this thing and mm-hmm. and then we just didn't we just did some stupid <laughs> absolutely weird dance that like I'm so glad wasn't filmed because it was the most embarrassing thing and honestly I wasn't even nervous about getting married I was nervous about the dancing um, uh, we refused to do it we never we never did a, we never did a first dance we just that most awkward moment in people's lives uh yeah we we just we just didn't put ourselves through it <laughs> everyone watching us I I don't know you know I think like so our DJ really didn't like us. You know how like you're meant to really like, I feel like he should have made more of an effort to at least make us feel like he liked us because <laughs> he's like a vendor at our wedding. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. We we hired um, somebody that the, the venue recommended and he was like a very uh, cheesy DJ, cheesy 90s Peter K DJ. And um he oh, I love w- that. The buffet is open. The buffet is now open. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he would be like, um, you know, who's up for some cha-cha slot? And then he'd be like constantly mm. messing with the gain on the, on the mic. And I'm like, oh, mate, just, just play the song. Yeah, and then, just get on with it. And then when we met him before the day, I'll go back to the dancing in a minute, but when we met him before the day, I was like, um, so I don't want any songs about animals like the birdie song you know da, 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 yeah. da. I was like yeah. I don't want any action songs so no cha-cha slide and then he was like no no Superman do you remember that one Superman yeah no None no, of that. nothing like that just like good, good tunes a bit of blink because my husband likes them you know all this like stuff but yeah I I was and then he was just like horrified at this so he kind of kept, kept his mouth shut <laughs> Because he like sent us the playlist on this like online thing, and I was like just untaking all these choices. <laughs> and then um, on the night, he just kept his head down and cracked on. I'm like, I don't, I don't want you to announce this, and I don't want you to do this. I just want you to play some good tunes. Yeah, just just <laughs> press play, let us dance. But I don't think he liked us because of this. And then we had um, a Lumineers song for our first dance, and we were just like. So no, we thought we were like in a Pogues video or something. Not really sure what we thought we were doing. <laughs> Just like having some merry old time. Um, but going back to the, the Strictly thing, you know, I think the reason, you know, it's such a big thing in Strictly is because, you know, you think about who appreciates like ballroom dancing. Like who's like, oh, yes, good technique, good, good form. It's like definitely a, a, an older generation, um, but it's glamorous. So it attracts some younger generation too. And I think that's where the clash is because, you know, they, 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 they do need to be diverse in the sense that, you know, they need to show two, two men or a same sex dance couple, let's say, because otherwise and it's the same with people of color. You know, if they just have everybody white and British, well, I mean, yeah. this just looks very dated and a bit strange. And I don't think, you know, the BBC would would ever advocate, you know, lack of diversity in that. So I think it's really commendable that, you know, they have they have the same sex couple because, I mean, it's about time. Right. And the people who are kind of saying that, I mean, and I have heard those remarks. I have. Mm. I kind of like 
I mean, I don't know. Like, if someone said that to you, I don't know what your response would be, but like, mine is like, well, that's closed minded. And I kind of feel like it's a little bit homophobic. A little bit. Yeah. Well, quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, mean, it's a lot, right? The, we should we should feel like that's is, not the right right way, surely. Well, it's it's not the right way. The thing is, the, the what I've learned about when people project their insecurities onto others in terms of like trolling and you know, these kind of convers these these little, you know, oh I'm not gonna watch that now conversations that happen. Um, it is just exactly that it's that person's own insecurities being being projected onto the person who's who's highlighting it. it's literally holding a mirror up to people and the problem I've had uh, and and again people who aren't um either gay or I can only talk for myself as a woman who's a gay woman uh you know when we go through I'm used to people looking at me in the street um because I look different to them and it it projects an insecurity on to their insecurity onto me by how they treat me. So it could be that there's, I mean, usually we get it from men who I'll be walking down the street with my wife hand in hand. Um, and like my wife doesn't look like what you might think is a typical lesbian. I can't really say that these days because we all look completely different, but I would fit that bill of st- typical lesbian short hair, kind of bit tomboyish, a uh, bit butch. And then I'm kind of with this very femme looking woman who's my wife, very beautiful. Um, they don't know what to do with that. So we'll be walking hand in hand. We'll get either a comment across the street, you know, one of them, he had his kids in, kids with him. We were literally just standing outside the cinema. We weren't even next to each other, barely, but he was like, oh, a pair of fat dykes. And his kids were there. And the, his kids were the only reason why I didn't turn around and kind of challenge him. And um, because I was a teacher in that city at the time, so I probably shouldn't have got into a bit of a scuffle. But at the same time, you know, we, we're kind of used to that. Um, all the time and so for me it's I kind of expect it now um, which is a really real shame uh, but people just can't help kind of voicing what they think and they think that by telling that person on social media or by saying it out loud it's going to change something somehow you know by let oh sorry uh mr so-and-so from you know exeter doesn't like the fact that there's two men dancing on strictly does that make any difference to my life no it doesn't like he can go and live his his life and be a bit sad you know on his own trolling people but sadly those things do have an impact on people uh the comment you know i've even though I'm making light of it, the comment of the pair of fat dykes, you know, it still sits with me, but I'm able to compartmentalise it and move past it and think, well, it's your own ignorance. But the thing is, it's because they don't see many of me in their everyday life. Um, And that's not my responsibility. That's not anyone else's responsibility, really. What the responsibility is, is that when the opportunity comes, then represent me. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it's, you know, employ people who are of all, on all, all aspects of the, the diversity spectrum. You know, it shouldn't matter. We shouldn't be making a big thing about, like you said at the beginning, you know, whether it's a, a month, uh, like, you know, Pride Month or LGBT History Month or Black History Month. We just kind of, we think we're doing something to kind of include people, but actually it's, kind of going the opposite by saying oh we're only going to talk about you for a month and then the rest 11 months we'll just carry on and let you be you know subject to homophobia and this kind of thing whereas if we if we had pride month or lgbt history month through the year we don't we don't need a month we just are represented 365 days of the year yeah that makes sense i I think it's like a I think it comes from like a, a self-serving, you know, inner inner kind of conscious. And what I mean by that is that people are like, well, I'm white British, let's say someone like me. I don't know a lot about black heritage. You know, I'm not saying this specifically for me, but I'm just saying maybe someone is thinking yeah. this. 
you know, I don't know a lot about black heritage. So if if I spend, if I partake in Black History Month or Pride, then I feel that I've educated myself, done my bit, and I feel good about that. Move on. But in a way, it's like, it, it's annoying because these things, these sort of like notable occasions started off as like a point of education. And it's it's letting people know that, you know what, there are these communities and, you know, you are part of society. You, it, We are a diverse society and, you know, we welcome and, you know, it, it's basically educating people, isn't it? But, yeah, but like I it's guess, gone to the I other, guess, like you say, it's gone yeah. to the other side now, hasn't it, really? Like, so we're, we never have, we never have straight history month. No. We never have white history month, right? So we never have International Men's Day, which is 365 days of the year anyway, but we always, you know, we don't have these kind of... Um, you hear what I'm saying? It's like, it's like we have to make a deal, and I might be considered controversial for saying this, but I'll hold my hands up and accept it, because I think we're making too much of the right, we're going to give you a month and we're going to celebrate you in that month because you're different to me, the majority. Right. So it's like, I, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm the little lesbian going, oh, thank you. You're going to celebrate me from a month of the year. Thank you so much. And then every other day of the year, I've got to go and wonder whether, you know, any, you know, I've got to wonder whether someone's going to be calling me across the street or, you know, one time being spat at or another time. And it's, I, I, I'm kind of done with the celebrations, the monthly, you know, accolades months. And I'd really very much welcome us to just exist as a human uh, being in society where we are completely just accepting of everyone, that there isn't a conversation anymore about representation because we just see people as human beings. Who I sleep with, who I decide to marry, who what I do as as myself should be no one else's business but mine. And... Yeah. It's up to that person who feels like they don't know enough. Well, go and find out about it. Go and find out what the Stonewall riots were. Go and find out about that. But at the same time, you know, there's this like 90% of the year is just about straight white people, basically. Yeah. And and the, the, the annoying thing is, is that it's something like for me, and I feel like there are probably other people out there like similar to me in this thought that I'm not myself like you know a, a, a beacon for diversity I mean I literally fit that bill I'm white and I'm British but I I want to educate myself and understand a lot more because I'm gonna like be honest like when I was growing up even in the curriculum I mean we didn't even talk about you know really different cultures and I went to an international school and in a lot of ways like you kind of just learned it in front of you you didn't really you know, you just didn't even really consider mm. different cultures because you are in a different culture. Well, you just get drip fed what the school decides to teach you. and You don't really get a chance to kind of question that, do you really? No. And, and you know, we were talking in a previous episode about sex education and how, you know, we don't talk about, you know, that, that maybe eight or nine year old child who is, you know, thinking, well, this doesn't really apply to me the biology of penis and a vagina makes a baby it doesn't apply to me and yeah, that was I was something I was gonna I was gonna talk about potentially now is that kind of the heteronormative narrative of sex education for example um you know there's no there's nothing because I've taught it I've been there I've, I've taught the sex ed curriculum I there's nothing in there that talks about same sex sex no, no. Nothing. It, it, it's, it's been... and, I'm, and I'm not necessarily, sorry, I'm not necessarily talking about at primary school level, maybe secondary school level, because I feel like, you know, there are some things that are open up massive questions. And I'm not saying hide that from young people whatsoever. I'm saying doing it in an appropriate way. But even at primary school level, there should be a conversation of like, not everyone is attracted to just man and woman. Do you know what I mean? It's not just a binary thing. Yeah. And, you know, we were like talking about in the episode about how, you know, and I, 
there's a lot of unpicking in this in the previous show, but it was like the the it leaves it very open. The new guidance that the government have released her, leaves it very open on how the school, you know, includes yeah. LGBTQ plus, mm. you know, sexuality. Um, I mean, I see a perfect opportunity here because part of it it's not sex education it's sex and relationship education so we talk about relationships as in friends and boundaries and what you're comfortable with and we also talk about you know the difference between a sexual relationship and then a mutual friend relationship Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and within that I don't see why we couldn't have you know and some people you know don't make a baby this way or some people have sex for other reasons i.e pleasure so that's right it's it's a difficult one because you know I recently spoke to a friend I know she won't mind me sharing this but she she works in a faith school and their their sex education is very you know um biology led and you know it's taken a lot for that school to even get to that point because two years ago they weren't even teaching it they weren't even talking about it which is just blows my mind but it's taken a lot to get to this point and then they still have a parent who's requesting that their child be taken out saying I've taught my um, child everything they need to know about this they won't need to learn this until they're 13 I'm like oh great like let your child go through puberty with a load of confusion about maybe their identity Maybe yeah, absolutely. the changes that are happening to their body, maybe their sexual urges they think are, are strange and, yeah. and they're not. You know, what a terrible way to um, not equip your child. I'm, I, I don't want to be judgmental, but at the same time. No, I completely agree. Like, I, I, I understand like parents' choice. And I think a lot of the misconception around sex education is that, you know, if we tell our children this, then they become sexually active. And that isn't the case. This it's, is the thing I, yeah. said, I said to you in a conversation, like we can talk about, we can talk about gay people in sex education, right? Because I've sat through enough history lessons and not managed to invade Poland. Do you know what I mean? I've managed yeah. to not invade Poland <laughs> after sitting through history. And it means, it doesn't mean because they're going to learn about, um, I mean, this is a good, actually a good uh, signposting opportunity for our podcast episode, which was with Andrew Moffat, um, who was the, is the CEO of No Outsiders program, which was that one about the um he had loads of protests outside of the school That's and they right, were all protesting yeah. against yeah so he wrote a curriculum which talked about you know same-sex families um and he called no outsiders and he was just saying exactly the same thing he was like it's not teaching gay lessons this is not how to be gay this is not it's talking about other people in society other than what you know, potentially we've been fed through media, through news, through whatever they choose to kind of present society as to to include actually real society, which is everyone comes in different shapes, colours, uh, sizes, preferences. And it's about not making anyone feel like an outsider. And um, it just because we're teaching about same sex relationships doesn't mean your child is going to go off and have a same sex relationship. So what if they do? But at the same time, it doesn't mean that it means that the people who are sat in that classroom who are um, of that um, thinking, if you like, um, that it includes them. And it goes as far as like, not just sex education, it goes as far as <clears throat> uh, languages lessons. When you're sitting in French and you're talking about your family, yeah, you don't just say, uh, there's a mum and a dad and you don't just put them on the board. You include all families. So you've got two mums, two dads, you know, um, and you include that and it becomes usualized. I don't like the term normalized because it means that we're not normal when we usualize it, it becomes usual practice. So it's, it, it is, you know, embedded into the language that you use and you don't question it. So when a child goes, uh, miss, why is there two men on the board or why is there two women on the board? You say, because that is a family as well. And you don't kind of go around that. You don't make excuses. You don't feel embarrassed about it. You just go, well, there's families that exist with two mums and two dads. So why wouldn't I include them? And it, and that kind of puts the onus back on the child to kind of think, oh, yeah, actually. And it was, again, like the time when I was in a was in a lesson teaching in the middle of my music lesson, secondary school, year eight. 
and it's right in the middle of the lesson hand goes up absolutely irrelevant to what they were talking about he puts his hand up and just goes oh miss is it true you're a lesbian and I just was like huh yeah but can I just ask you a question would you put your hand up in uh miss so-and-so's lesson down the corridor and ask her if she was straight in the middle of her lesson and he was like well no I I wouldn't I'm like well can you see why it's a bit of a strange question to ask like I'm happy to answer it but would you ask someone if they were straight just like you asked me if I was a lesbian and so it's about really changing the language using it as uh usualizing it and not using the word normalize because we are absolutely the same as anybody else yeah absolutely like I think you know a lot a lot I I personally believe this right that a lot of kind of the confusion and stigma around how you know different people are portrayed in the media a lot of it comes from like tabloid tv right so oh 100 yeah and it was you know when Piers Morgan used to when he used to go on Good Morning Britain he would then obviously say things like oh you know I am a feminist you know, I'm a feminist, but, um, you know, we we can't have a female James Bond, for example. I'm a feminist, yeah, exactly. but, and it's like, okay. And he's like, you know, it doesn't mean that women get the upper hand. It means that men and women are equal. But if we just level the playing field here, that, you know, people who are listening to this and thinking, well, actually, that makes sense. Well, it doesn't, because for a very long time, women included in that minority have had a really rubbish deal. And in a lot of ways, still get a really rubbish deal. Um, and I think when you... I'm going sh- to show you my T-shirt. I know you can see it, but the <sighs> listeners can't. But you can see my T-shirt. says cool. woman up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I like that. The thing is, you're right. It's like people will say, oh, yeah, 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 I want female equality. But I'm the boss of a company and I'm still paying my females less than the men or you know I'll say I'm a feminist but no a woman can't be James Bond I mean it's it's just ridiculous now and I think there's a there's a tent there's a danger that we go too far where it's just a real obvious box ticking exercise that someone's gone through and yeah. made it obvious rather than just like I keep coming back to that term usualizing stuff like I mean I watched Silent Witness, for example, right? And one, I have something to say about it because I'm sure that the script writing has got worse. Sorry, but it has. But in the, on a good positive <laughs> point about Silent Witness, if you look at if you look at the cast that are that are that are included in that um, series, you'll see a massive range of diversity in Silent Witness, and. It's good. It's got um, some disabled actors. It's got people of colour. It's got different sexualities, different genders doing different roles that you might not expect. And I like that about it. The only problem I have is the poor script writing. <laughs> script writing. Sorry, script writers. But it has got worse. But the, the diversity is good. <laughs> yeah. But that's just an example of a, of a show that you might watch and think, oh, actually, yeah, hang on a minute. That's got, you know, these people in it that you wouldn't necessarily see on, I don't know, ITV maybe I mean Um, I do wonder that because and I mean I don't know whether I'm maybe out of turn saying this but like movies like Black Panther they have an all-black cast yeah people seem to like just go wow like that is the most amazing thing and I mean Hollywood in in general is (laughs) is synonymous for not casting minorities in roles really I think Reese Witherspoon did a really really empowering speech on it not so long ago Mm. about how she's just started her own kind of production company and what came from this is that all the scripts that she was getting it was like the female was um asking to be saved or helped or the female said well what do we do now and it's like at what point she actually says this, at what point have you ever heard a female say, well, what do we do now? Like, she literally has no idea what to do. No, Nobody says that, anybody included. Like, you know, people just figure yeah, exactly. it out. They just figure it out. Like, like, yeah. Um, and and, and the, the whole casting of women as well, a really good uh, test to do on a film, which I 
mainly apply on most films that I watch is the Bechdel test, which is um, it's a woman with the surname Bechdel. I'm pretty sure it's Helen. Um, I should know that. Um, but basically she kind of had this like checkpoints that you go through to see if the female characters were anything other than the male's love interest had a main speaking part that was more than uh, just a few lines, uh, that it was anything other than kind of like a sexual interest or there's a whole load of checkpoints to go through and very few films pass the Bechdel test or at least used to pass the Bechdel test. More do now because they're aware of it. Um, but, you know, women in as, as a, um, a, a, a minority in themselves because you know they just that's a so it's a, another kind of grouping um and i i'm like a, a a larger female gay woman so i have to make my way through this world kind of holding a flag up sometimes to be like please represent me better you know um because there's a set kind of way that women have to look there's a set kind of expectation of women and like my t-shirt says woman up like we don't have to be what you expect us to be. And the Bechdel test as well is, is, is challenging that very, very stereotypical Hollywood narrative of man saves woman and man saves everything and man makes all the decisions. And, you know, even little things like when you'll see in films um, where there's like an older man who's not particularly attractive, just, but he's older and he's rich. And then all of a sudden his girlfriend pops up and she's like Miss Glam, age 25 you know and it's it it's that ex- would it be the other way around would it get would they get away with it if you've got an older woman who's you know just kind of normal looking but rich and then has this 25 year old handsome boyfriend I don't think it would go down as well no but, and but what 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 that is and what it previously has been um, where it's been an older woman, like let's say Stifler's mom in American Pie, it's, yeah. a, it's a comedy setting. It's never, it's like, oh no, exactly, good, yeah. good for you, it's man. You've got a younger woman on your arm. It's never, yeah. it's never the other way around. But then right? we don't question, um, then we don't question the age gap thing as well, because I'm not saying there's anything wrong with an age gap. However, when there's an age gap of kind of, you know, um, this man's 25 and he's going out with a 17 year old, I'm not okay with that. Um, and Leonardo DiCaprio is is now famous for it. He's in his was he in his fifties now? I don't Leo? know. I don't. I, I, maybe I just see him as Jack. Um, <laughs> he, he doesn't have he doesn't have a girlfriend over twenty five wow. ever. And I'm not okay with that. Wow. It's that kind of this is women. Women are just used as accessories. Women are just used to kind of look good, and it's uh, it's yet another fight on the equality kind of conversation that women have to go through every single day. And like, we, you know, don't get me started on the current news of all what's going on with women at the minute. But um... it, Maybe I should actually, because we're talking oh. a lot about this <laughs> in um, in the department I work in. And I mean, I'm guessing you're talking about like Sarah Everard and kind of women's yeah. safety and, um, yeah. you know, kind of everything that's happened in, in, in recent months. And yeah. <laughs> You know, you know what made me really like look at like with Sabina Nessa. Mm. Um, that was her name, wasn't it? Sabina Nessa. Yeah. Sabina mm. Nessa. What made me like really be like, hang on a minute. You know when you just like hear something, and you're like, that doesn't feel right. Like you don't know why. It's like a gut feeling, which I believe is a science now. Somebody told me that your gut feeling is actually a a scientific thing. Um, mm-hmm. But is that in that local authority, they then persisted to give the women or at least offer the women rape alarms and pepper spray. And it's like, God's sake, it's, it's just, it's so perplexing to me as a female. Like, I mean, this, this teacher, this 28 year old teacher going out, um, you know, and, and, I read some of the things that were written about her and I don't know if you've ever seen anything where people have taken things like Daily Mail articles and then reworded them to actually... Swap swap the headlines, yeah. Yeah, just like, you know, things like um, uh, Selena Gomez um, on skimpy bikini in the Bahamas and then they swap and then someone will swap it around. 
Selena Gomez wears clothes in the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, it's just, that. yeah. It's just how is that even news? Come on. We, the thing is, when you have created a society through the media that we've we've allowed to do this around us, which are only have these gender narratives of man is more superior, woman is not, right? And you do articles like, look at what she's wearing. Can you believe what she's wearing? Look how fat she's got. Can you believe it? She's so skinny. Can you believe this? Da, 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 right. And then we are surprised that men are treating women like commodities. Right. We shouldn't be surprised, but it goes down to education and the education. Right. Something comes out like this, uh, Sabina Nessa or uh, Sarah Everard. And it's like, oh, the solution is to give women rape alarms like it's our responsibility. We should be able to walk down the street just like any man can walk down the street confidently. No bother. But it, the education comes with let's teach men and boys not to sexually assault women. That's the teaching. It's not give a woman a rape alarm and we'll sort this out. It's let's rewind the education. That comes down to sex education, PSHE. It comes down to everything about school life and how we talk and uh, treat males and females. Um, All of that. And it annoys me. I read something else recently about, um, you know, advice as to what to do when, you, when you're arrested by a lone police officer I, if you're a woman. I saw this. This was, um, it, the, this was an LBC News interview. And I think it was the police commissioner saying um, yeah. that, that you, you know, women have a duty of responsibility to find out their legal rights I'm sorry I'm not yeah. a lawyer. I haven't actually got no. time to be a lawyer. Yeah. Um, that's... Why should I have to? I exist as a human. Yeah, and they were like, you know, you should never you should never get into a police car unless there's a... There's yeah. a... I'm sorry, but it, like Sarah Everard, if a policeman stopped me, or a police officer, I should say, police officer stopped me, and I've never... I mean, I think I've been pulled over for like a, a light being out the back of my car, but I've never been in trouble with the police ever. No, and you're not no. used to that. You're going to be kind of frightened. So you're not seventy really- percent of women freeze when they're when they are uh, approached as in a in an aggressive manner. That's one of the statistics that I've read recently. We, well, I would do the same thing. I'm quite bullshy in terms of like I can talk about stuff and kind of get a bit you know passionate about things and argue my way through things. But if I was in a position where a lone police officer then what am I going to do? Sorry, Mr. Police Officer, you've been too aggressive. Can I just ring for a, a another female police officer to come and assist yeah. you? That's not good. He's going to smack my head against the car and put me in. It's it's he will overtake me because he has he wants to. If that's what his intention was going to be, there's no way I'm going to stop an aggressive man from hurting me because I read the rights out to him or I've questioned the law. It's not going to happen that way. And what we've done by doing this is, again, putting the onus on women to look after themselves instead of going, we shouldn't be treating women like that in the first place and you're wrong for doing that and we'll support you by doing X, Y, Z. Like, it should be, uh, an example could be, you know, uh, when they're on patrol, if there's two police officers on patrol it's a male and a female at all times yeah and let's see see what happens then I see that like quite regularly like around me like I mean I think we hear very little and I mean very little cases in this country police brutality and police murdering people that they stop I mean this is why I think that's one aspect of why it's so shocking that is this person you're meant to trust as a law enforcer and then the other side of it is just the devastation of of what happened to to both Sabina and Sarah it's Mm. just it's completely disgraceful and like that's what I feel like it took me I'm not kidding it took me about a week to realize why I was so uncomfortable with it and it's because I feel like the owner shouldn't be put on me and I feel like I have a right to be safe. But if I'm going to be honest, Emily, like if I went on the nights are getting darker as well, if I walk down the street, even with my son, he's only, he's only two and a half, and I see a group of men 
I would be slightly intimidated. I would. Yeah. Um, and I don't really feel like that's fair. No, it's not fair. And, um, you know, one uh, women are killed multiple times a week by a male partner and or, or just by a male. And there's not just Sarah Everard. There's been about 80 women since her that have been killed by men, if not more. Um, and it's not good enough. And if we're going to talk about diversity, we're going to talk about minorities. We need to talk about the fact that we're not doing it's not good enough. What we've reached to a point, yeah, I talked about how everyone's talking more and everyone's having conversations more about it. But the conversations are are, are from women saying it's not good enough. We you know, I bet if I bet if the same amount of men were killed by women every week, there would be something done about it. There'd be a whole different shift in society, you know, because, but it's not, it's not that way around. It's like, it's like anything to do with kind of women's health uh, or or women's safety. It's, it's right at the bottom. It's an oversight. And then we end, we've ended up like this and it, you know, same for gay people, same for people of color, you know, we feel unsafe on our own. I mean, I, I'm lucky now I live in a very remote part of Northern Ireland where I don't really kind of get too bothered by people and everyone's very, very friendly. But that was a conscious choice of mine to move over here. And I have noticed a big difference from how I was treated in public in England to how I've been treated in public over here. And ironically, they only um, they only allowed gay marriage uh, two years ago um, to take place over here. Um, and... Even there, even so when I came to this country, I thought, oh, God, you know, I'm going to struggle because people might be quite homophobic towards me because they've only just passed gay marriage. And then I realised that it was the parliament that had only passed gay marriage and actually the people were very different. Um, And so I've had those conversations because I'll take my dogs for a walk down the country lanes for a couple of miles and I'm on my own. Uh, and the nights are getting a bit darker. And I had that conversation with myself in in my head the other day going, am I stupid for doing this? Like, is this dangerous? And then I thought, well, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is. But then I kind of backed up on the fact that I had my two dogs and they wouldn't like, they wouldn't, you know, be be very happy about it. But uh, it's something that we always have to think about every single day. And unfortunately for me, and I'm not saying that I'm any worse off than anyone else, but I have to think about it more than once because mm-hmm. I've got the gay element, I've got the woman element, um, and both things in the past and continue to be problems for other people. Apparently, my existence is a is a real inconvenience for some people on this planet. I. I don't really know how to word like the next question I want to ask, but Mm. I'm going to try my best. So bear with me. Mm. So when people, like you say, having, you are a problem in people's lives. I mean, God knows Mm. what I don't understand that. I'm sure you probably don't, but I would like to unpick it a little bit and try and understand why, you know, minority groups and you know, I feel like with LGBTQ plus that, you know, seven, eight years ago, maybe mainstream wise, we were only really, I suppose, supposed to burst on, you know, gay. We didn't realize that there were tran- transgender and, you know, we knew about bisexual, but it definitely wasn't represented as as much. And, yeah. you know, kind of even going further back into the episode when you were saying about people in the media coming out as mm. gay and then seeing the bad press they got and then I, it got me thinking like why well, how is that even a thing I remember when um Will Young won I think it was yeah. Pop Idol that's what yeah. it was called back then um I, I lived overseas at the time and I remember seeing it in the newspaper a couple of days later because newspaper delivery wasn't the best and yeah it was like it was like oh career over that's it and I, I don't understand what the stigma is. I don't understand the problem. And that's me being either very ignorant or that's me being, you know, sort of in a sense that I I, I don't get it because I, I do understand it, if that makes yeah, sense. It does make sense. And, and you're right. I've got no idea why who I choose to spend my life with and get into bed with is a problem for anybody else and 
it doesn't make any sense to me why um you know why people get such negative press for um what i'd like to do is reach a point in society where we don't have to come out that is a massive thing for me like when did you come out to your parents for you know fancying someone of the opposite gender I don't think I've ever told my parents who I fancy because my dad told me (laughs) that boys only want one thing and obviously that's (laughs) not true no but I mean it was um but do you know what I'm saying is like, yeah <laughs> when 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 do this when do straight people go and sit down with their parents get nervous about telling them that they're bringing someone of the opposite sex home that they're heterosexual they don't have that conversation so why should I well I, right? I why should yeah. why should my coming out be a thing I should just be able to introduce people to my partner and and that's it full stop done just like everybody else um and we I feel like again we've got you know that we've got to this thing where kind of gay people have to do a big announcement of like I'm gay and then potentially that's where the press comes from because we've done a big thing we've done a big announcement about it and we've let everybody know but I don't remember when you know Eamon and Ruth for example, I'm talking about uh, Philip Schofield when he did his yeah. big announcement, right? Yeah. When did Eamon and Ruth announce that they were straight? When did Holly announce that she was straight? Like, it. why do we have to go through a big, massive exposure to announce to people that we're gay? I don't understand it. And equally, when they do do it, okay, cool, if that's what you choose to do, that's what you want to do, make a big party of it, cool. Why do we get negative press? I don't know, because we've we've caricatured society so much that it has to have a response and you know when we're looking back you know uh the decriminal decriminalization of of homosexuality was only in 1968 yeah right so it's less than 20 years before i was born but when i was born society was living with the repercussions of it being decriminalized so people of that generation thought that that was a bad thing because it had been criminalized in the first place, right? Un, un, I can't, I mean, unbeknownst to anyone why it was criminalized, but it was. So you've got the generation who think that it was a sin or it was a crime, you know, a very kind of Christian attitude of sins and, you know, bad. Uh, they, they bring in the Bible argument to it. And then you've got kind of the representation there, there wasn't very many representation there wasn't a lot of representation and if it was represented back in the day it was a, a very camp man who you know it was very stereotyped uh gay yeah it was than, like it's like a little bit of a uh an act you know yeah, like, like, a, a like, like a sideshow yeah. act right yeah yeah it was and so so all through my existence from the early 80s up till now I've had to kind of really battle with the representation that's been going on. And I think that affects people's responses because sadly there are a lot of people who will believe everything the media tell them. And so they just get their information from what's on the telly and what's being shown on there. They don't really think outside of much unless it directly affects them. And you know, sadly, we've still we've still got kids who are worrying about telling their parents whether they're gay or not. And, you know, for me, that it's just it's a it's, it's a mad thing, because until the day where straight people announce their heterosexuality, <laughs> I can't I'm, I'm always going to argue for not having to come out. Just don't. It's like we have to do this rite of passage. Like, it's weird. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a theory about it. Don't know how correct it is. Um, so I have a theory that again it comes from the education system in general and the education yeah. school and yeah, because we're taught in that section relationships education like the talk, which you know in the episode yeah. that it's we like yeah, yeah yeah we we and and you know, it's no secret that most schools in England are faith based. You know you have to look. You have to look for a non-denominational school. They are they obviously mm. do exist, but you know, a lot are faith. And I I wonder, like my theory is, is that because children, young people are taught, you know, that 
you know, reproduction is essentially a man and a woman, and this is what arousal um, looks like anatomically. Yeah. And, you know, this is essentially a, a, a sexual experience. And then yeah. if, let's say, there's a child in there that is then considering, well, actually, I'm not attracted to men if it's if it's a, a girl mm. i'm not attracted to women and that and that sort of thing and they're actually considering that they may be gay they're thinking mm. actually i have these these gay feelings so maybe i don't fit into this and then i wonder whether you know the whole education sort of system and you know even the books that we present to children and i think that's why maybe probably so many authors use animals as like a bit of a I don't. Yeah. I don't really want to get yeah. into the whole the whole thing. Um, yeah. Not that it is a thing, but it's it it definitely you know sells. And I wonder whether then the bad press essentially stems from. I'm trying to articulate this in the best way possible. Is that they see or they at least perceive that the, the you know the population that that um, you know generation of people perceive as gay equals sex right so you know whereas if um if your child you know grows up and then they bring someone from the opposite sex home it's like romanticized right so it's like this oh there's going to be grandkids and oh there's going to be a wedding and all this Mm. sort of stuff but it's still not the case because obviously if you're child is gay you can still enjoy all these things as a parent and you can still have kids you yes, know exactly. it doesn't, you don't have to have sex to have kids you know it's um I've got I've got two of two of our best friends two women got two beautiful kids by by a donor uh the same donor but there's their their legal mums on the on the certificate so you know it's about opening up the world to the rest of the world because you know, it was funny because my friend, who was one of the mums, took their kid to a party, and um, they'd assumed that they that they were just the other mum's girlfriend. And when she said, "No, no, we're both their mums, and I'm married to her, have been married to her for the last ten years," this woman turns around and is like, "Oh, you only hear of things like that from America, like this." It's like it was completely outside of her world to the point where she thought it was literally just something that she'd heard on tv that happened in america and it wasn't happening on her doorstep which is where her kids are going to school right because it's so part of society but people are so very closed-minded and so unwilling to actually stand in a conversation and say you know what i've never heard about that and i haven't actually got an opinion on that and you know taking time to not respond straight away with the trolley comments and the, oh, but my opinion is, and it's wrong because actually standing and listening to me or my community or someone who's, let's put it in inverted commas, different to you. I hate that term, right? Because just stand and listen and take the time to listen to their world and their story because We've gone through a lot to get where we've got to today and it's still going on, but you could help us and and for that experience to be a lot easier through the responses, through the messages that you send, the responses that you give, the kindness and compassion that you show us. That will significantly help the rest of our journey. If you're going to stand and block just because your parents have said something that you think you should believe or your your church believes a certain thing and that's what you think is right or, you know, you've inherited these um, uh, bigoted views, let's call it. Take time to listen to the people telling the stories and take time to hear them and hear what they've gone through. And you might have things in common. You might find out that you have things in common, but it all starts with a conversation and it all starts with kindness and compassion because you should be showing kindness and compassion to everyone you meet because that might be the only time that person experiences that from someone in their day, right? So it's not about who's right or wrong anymore. It's about how can we coexist as a society that, 
is compassionate towards each other, recognizes you've been through a lot. So have I. Let's talk about that. And even if they're completely different experiences, you've got a common bond between the fact that you've made it this far in life. Some people don't get this far because it's too hard. But actually, let's try and make it easier for people. Let's not look at our neighbor and think, oh, two women have just moved in next door. I'm not going to talk to them. Right. Be the better person. Let's go and chat. I'm, I'm a great friend. Let's <laughs> let's get to know each other, right? Yeah. Because it's life's too short. Life is too short. And if we're going to bring our kids up in a society that is, you know, accepting of if we want acceptance, we've got it. We've got to we've got to show it. Whether you're, you know, and I'll quite happily accept. You know, I'm I'm not. Um, what's the anti homophobic towards uh straight people i'm not i'm not sitting there calling them oh i wouldn't want to go and see them in on strictly because they're straight like how stupid of an argument is that well it's, so it's as, as stupid as stupid as an argument of a same-sex couple right? yeah exactly <laughs> i mean it's, it's about turning it back on its head yeah. isn't it and and looking at it from the other point of view and and you know let's rather than having all this kind of um making a big deal about how we're how inclusive we're all being let's just do it every day just live like that just be inclusive don't put it on facebook that you've been kind and you've been inclusive right just live it be the example and i like this term real models be the real model yeah i i, I mean i think that is a lovely way to wrap up our episode emily um Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. I'm around all week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Not Another Education Podcast. Join us next week on Monday. Take care.